Welcome to the Relationship as Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Lee. Outdoor adventure enthusiast, dog mom to Luna, world traveler, longtime meditator, espresso lover, and a trained somatic psychotherapist, trauma specialist, and certified coach. Talking about trauma doesn't have to be so daunting. From a connected place, we can navigate anything together. Looking forward to exploring with you today. Here we go. I am so excited to introduce you all to my friend and colleague, Enrique Coyasso. He and I have known each other for actually a really long time now. And he also teaches in my Creating Safer Space course. There's a beautiful bonus interview in there that we got to film like five years ago now. So I'm really excited to be back here and having a whole fresh conversation around relationships and trauma and so many things today. Enrique is a new generation mindfulness meditation teacher born and raised in Los Angeles and has been teaching and living in the Bay Area for the last 10 years. His passion is teaching the practice of mindfulness to teens. He is well loved and respected for his inspirational work at Challenge Day during the school year where he facilitates social and emotional learning workshops for thousands of young people all over the country. Enrique's skill with teens has led to teaching internationally for Inward Bound Mindfulness Education. Welcome, Enrique. I'm so happy you're here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Enrique and I have spent hours, probably hundreds of hours next to each other on meditation cushions, both teaching uh, Buddhism, mindfulness meditation, and practicing together for years. And... um it's one of the things that I have found has been incredible at fostering genuine connection where I personally felt safe enough to deepen into relationship and be vulnerable. We've explored uh, all sorts of containers together, both as facilitators, space holders, and as practitioners. And so it's just been beautiful to get to know each other over the years in these different roles. I'm excited to see what unfolds today. Absolutely. Yeah. Something really special about doing that work side by side, like the fostering of a safe container with big hearted adults that, um, yeah, have, uh, the, you know, the main goal in mind ultimately, which is like freedom for these young people. So, yeah, okay. thanks for uh, being on the path with me. Yeah. I was kind of thinking before I reached out to you, I've been thinking a lot about one of these practices we used to facilitate and definitely be facilitated in called the hot seats. I know a lot of people use the term hot seat these days for coaching. That's not what we're talking about. Our One of our mentors, Marv Belzer, who he wasn't the creator, but did some heavy lifting in terms of sharing that practice, uh, I was thinking about how vulnerable 
that was to get to know each other in that way and then to facilitate teens to get to know each other in that way and how beautiful it was to create such a container that people could really allow themselves to be seen and held by an entire group of people and sometimes even strangers. And it just lit me up wondering and imagining what was it about that activity and so many of the other activities we facilitated that create that sense of connection and safety. I'm curious about your experience of that, your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, and I was just yeah reflecting on we were talking about Marv and kind of bringing this practice that he learned and re- really felt like a recreation. And you mentioned even like spoke to this, um, you were kind of qualifying or uh, caveat with the word the hot seat and kind of maybe how people's images or experiences with the, maybe a typical or traditional or what that might look like or feel like. And, um, you know, it even it, most sometimes it's even kind of like colloquially around I be me now is a sweet seat. <laughs> so it's like kind of transformed into like what I think Marv did in his kind of collective eyes and hearts on recreating this hot seat that we brought into the teen retreats um, is that there's a, it's just a lot of love. And yes, it's, it can be hot in the sense of how hot it is to be vulnerable, how the, the, hot poker in the heart kind of uh, intensity, um, but um, it's held in so much love that uh, I think that's why it becomes something that um, in my kind of experience or my ear on the ground is just like, yeah, young people are coming back like, oh, yes, relational, hot seat, hot seat. I want to do the hot seat. I want to be seen and held in a a space of loving hearts and um, because that's what I think we're all craving right? to be seen and to be loved for all the parts of ourselves and typically we don't in all of our other maybe circles or relationships yeah mm-hmm. craving to be seen to be loved to be understood One of the things I love about that structure, and for those of you who haven't experienced this, which is probably a lot of people, is, you know, one person gets to sit on a seat and there's anywhere from like three people to 30 sitting around them and they get to share what's present for them and nobody is interrupting. Everybody's sitting there with an intention of like just receiving them from their whole heart as presently as possible. And then we learn to follow our curiosity as we're listening and listening for like what really wants to be seen, what really wants to be heard. And then there's a turn to kind of ask questions in a really structured format. You get to raise your hand, you get chosen. And then it's an option. It's like, yes, I want to answer this. No, I don't, which I find very trauma informed. And we're following what's curious, which it's amazing what happens when people melt, when they're asked questions about what they're sharing that's present for them. And uh, people tend to go from seeming kind of anxious and nervous to like radiant at the end. It's not always the case, uh, but it's for me, the structure of uh, here's, here's what to expect. Here's, a container for the vulnerability to just kind of melt and soften. And I know that you facilitate um, in challenge day, a lot of exercises 
helping people kind of be seen, be heard, be vulnerable. I was wondering if you could speak to structures, like how do you witness people uh, in that context of having a structure as they're talking about really deep, deep things? Yeah, yeah. thank you for that reflection and the question. Yeah, part of what I'm bringing into like this um, answer is my kind of lens on it is even the dynamic between adult and teen. So I'm an adult and this kind of inherent power structure and I'm trying to to support the young people, right, and create something for them. And what feels like the beginning part is um, to be with them, like to be a part of like to, you know, like to hold to the reality of my, my identity <laughs> as an adult and, um, and, and maybe having, you know, and, and the power that that brings in this kind of container. Um, but also like specifically with challenge day and I be me and we're bound. Um, there's this storytelling. There's like, I'm a part of the circle, right? So if a question goes around, I answer it too, right? And, or, you know, I'm, love like even just the the role modeling of like if i'm going to ask you to do something i'm not, i'm not going to ask you to do it first unless i'm willing to do it um yeah i'm not going to ask you to do anything that i'm not willing to do first so i think that's a part of it is humanizing ourselves as adults is remembering our identities and how they hold what they hold in that room whether it's the power or the um and then yeah and then asking, then kind of getting curious, like what would, you know, what is needed? What is like, I like to look at kind of reflecting on current relationships, current um, ways that people are treated and current ways that maybe you don't feel safe. And then like, okay, how do we, we can see what we don't like and what's not working. Like how, what can we do to actually create some safety and space? So like, yeah, creating those agreements. Yeah. You said something really uh, striking at the beginning. You said being with, right. which is kind of the foundation of all of my work, is right. how do we be with? And I'd be curious what you'd say to that. It's um, it's bringing in, it's like there's a part, there's sure there's, these words like helping or serving or saving different than helping and serving, but there's these words that maybe are used as we kind of can go into this kind of work service, whatever. Um, and so I think there's a, that's going to be there that I'm there to serve, but, but also it's like what compassion the definition of compassion is like it's a quivering of the heart. It's like a being with the someone else, like with what's difficult, right? And so, um, being with them allow like there's an intentional like I'm I'm not separate from this being. Their problems are like their challenges. Their pain is my pain, and so let me step like let me like get to the the step on the margins, right? Like, so that I, yeah, become a part of that instead of someone that's serving the marginalized, you know? Mm. Being with their pain is my pain. Yeah. 
Oh, I felt my heart when he said that. And even if I don't, I've never experienced what maybe this person has experienced, but being willing and, and enough to like care right, and empathize and reflect on your own humanity in ways that whatever this kind of the thing, action, or the whatever it is, what the kind of root of harm or whatever is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference between serving slash helping, which is doing to me. Like It sounds like a Mm -hmm. verb. And being with, as you're talking about being with, I notice my whole system just kind of melts and settles. It's like, oh, there isn't a doing here. And there's so much that's possible. There's so much potential in that space between us when we're just being with. Does that resonate? Absolutely. No separation, right? There's like, you know, that this kind of ultimate truth and trying to do my best to come back to that, to hold that within the balance of the reality or the relative um, separation, maybe. But uh, yeah. Yeah. We were talking a little bit about uh, this before we hit record. We get. You know, I know I have gotten so many questions from mindfulness students or Buddhist practitioners or people curious about just, you know, meditation <laughs> and uh, around how do we hold all of the nuances of pain and suffering and injustice while sitting still, you know, both of us are mindfulness practitioners we're about slowing down coming into our bodies in the present moment being together i think there can be such a push to just be in action right how do we hold both yeah great question i think first for me is acknowledging that there are two that there are that there is this um there's different ways to meet like the challenges, right? There is the action. Like I need to find action, but that there can be, I can come up with a lens and a learning and a, that this is it. And there is no, no self care and slowing down. That isn't even a part of my paradigm that I, that I live. You know, and I say, I, I'm just like that, you know, people one can live through. And so first I say acknowledging like, Oh, yeah, like this, this other piece allows this to actually, um, thrive and have the action, the change, the revolution to thrive and have longevity. Mm. Yeah. No There's burnout. Belief in that. Cause I, I, you know, if I've been doing this, if I've been fighting my whole generations and generations and lifetimes of oppressive, pain um that's all i know is to fight and that's what's and so to yeah to be able to let in um this the 
the slowing down and to, to be able to see that taking care of this moment, like has that profound effect on the next. And right. So like, just, yeah, that this is not just some kind of hippie, you know, like meditate, but and seventies, one love kind of, you know, Pollyanna kind of thing. It's just like, no, this is so that I can engage wholeheartedly. Right. So that I'm not like, burnt out and fighting this fight from my own untended wounds is perpetuating those things. So, yeah. Mm. I'd love for you to say more about that piece, you know, those tended wounds. And what I'm hearing you also say is something of, it's kind of like regulation when we're regulated in our nervous systems. Uh, and when we're tending our wounds, something is possible. Yeah. Maybe, you know, it's it's the lens I look through, that what I believe deeply. Hatred doesn't cease by hatred, right? This kind of going back to, and so how can I, how can I just acknowledge that even in, if, you know, one has to, you know, if we were one more to look and to see what the direct experience of meeting hatred with hate, like how, if that's actually bringing the result that they want, right? Coming back to just remembering <laughs> the, that, you know, yes, I have, I'm pissed and I'm angry and I'm going to feel this and I'm going to do my best to channel it in healthy, positive ways and allow it to kind of, um, exist and um, what's the word I'm looking for yeah I, it's hard for me to articulate um, but ultimately if freedom is the goal right if liberation is the goal for me and what I believe in I've got it's got to come back to to love, it's got to come back to compassion. And it has to hold both. That's the important thing. It can't just be love, for me, it can't just be love and compassion and like, you know, everyone's in pain and hurt people, hurt people. And, um, and it's got to be, and people need to take full responsibility and we need to stop, you know, like it's got, it has to come from this fierce place as well. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, um, I think, yeah, the goal for me personally. Yeah, I think about, you know, sitting with young people and, you know, the rage I'll feel when I'm supporting them, when, I, when I'm hearing their stories of just absolute pain and suffering and injustice and how I work with myself in those moments so that I can be with them and there can be such an impulse to just want to jump in there and fix it, figure it out, give advice, make it better, um, do, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm just so constantly grateful for my Dharma practice and all of those years on the cushion and all the practices I practice now. Because again and again, I have found before going to action, obviously, we can do action. <laughs> But slowing down enough to just feel 
with every cell of my body, the reality of what is here with me as I'm sitting with a young person or as I'm sitting with a client. So much can happen from being willing to be touched by that injustice, right? I'm going to be so much more in action (laughs) when I need to be in that action. If I can feel the injustice, if I can feel the outrage, if I can feel that suffering with them, if I can let it wash through me and move through me, that's, that connects me to them. That connects me to what, to my value system personally. And it helps me be able to go, okay, here's my discernment around what I can do, how I can help, how I can support either with the person in front of me or with my community is at large, <laughs> but being willing to be with it, the feelings and the person, it's so, it's, that's what gives me the energy. And that's what, how I don't burn out, right? Yeah. <laughs> because I'm in that pure essence and the, the energy that comes from, you talked about generational trauma, right? I can feel all of that when I'm in my regulated nervous system then I'm willing to let that touch my heart. And then the action can come from that place. It's so much more clear and it can be more skillful. I won't act out of hatred. Mm. I'll act out of the compassion that comes from being willing to feel the person and their history right there in front of me and everything that it touches in me, which is so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering. Oh, go ahead. No, just say powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering. I mean, when I worked at IV Me with you, man, I mean, we would have to decompress at the end of the day because we heard so much. And I know that you you work for IV Me. You work for Challenge Day. Like, how do you take care of? yourself, your nervous system, your heart, as you're touched by the lives of so many people you come into contact with every day. I have an arsenal. I feel really blessed to have uh, an arsenal of tools and strategies that feel really good and supportive. You know, one of my main practices around just the formal sitting and training of the heart is just big compassion. Um, you know, before the day I sit, I kind of deep intention to remember what I'm walking into, right? Because the ego can get involved and want to control and make sure people are acting right and um, adults included. Um, and so I go in with like just preparing my heart, like just, okay, I'm going to be love all day. And um and so that feels like because because and it's not just these words, it's like deep scientific spiritual training around being with pain, right? Being with pain, not being able to empathize, have compassion, um, and and you know, maybe these extra little nuanced tools of like remembering, like trusting in as hard as it is to to feel into life itself because like you said we're hearing a lot of harm that's happening and i want to protect and i want to harm myself right and i want to um 
And even if I don't get to do these things physically, I, I can still energetically have that with me for a long time if I don't intentionally like leave it in the room um, and trust in the adults in the community that I'm working with as I bounce after a big workshop, right? And so that's that feels like core is com- my formal mindfulness training of the heart. And then it's, it's, you know, ancient wisdom of dancing and laughing and playing and um, connecting, talking, laughing, crying. Um, Yeah. Those are my go-tos. And then, you know, the list kind of, it's, it's long. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm just so appreciating, you know, like you've got the somatic aspect, the dancing, the moving, you've got the, the mindfulness practice that I translate it as like relationship to your heart, working with your heart. I heard like a community aspect, <laughs> laughing. I was imagining you laughing with people. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I, as I'm listening to your arsenal of resources and you describing kind of being with uh, the folks that you work with. I know a little bit about your history <laughs> from things you've shared. And I'm just wondering, I was just like, fuck yes. <laughs> you know, like, this is, this is amazing. Given some suffering you've shared about, you know, your path and what brought you to this path. And I just feel in such celebration of what you've cultivated and where you are now. And that you get to do this for others. And I'm just wondering if you'd be up for sharing a bit about like, what was it like before and what inspired you to cultivate this relationship to your heart and to these people that you work with? Mm, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I think that's why part of the, why I love what I do is because it also, it keeps me rem- f- fresh, not in the like, I'm fresh on my trauma every day or whatever, like, but it keeps the like freshness of like, yeah, you were a teenager, bro. Like you had all these like, like the empathy strong. Cause it's like, yes, you, you know, yeah, what it feels like. So, um, yeah, I was, it's a young, boy grew up in LA, um, to a single mom, um, that, that immigrant, um, you know, we have some family, but, uh, you know, low income, um, alcoholism. Uh, and so, and not a lot of tools, right? Not a lot of strategy, healthy strategies and tools and, and as a sensitive little boy with not a lot of healthy strategies and tools and the kind of intensity of my neighborhood, the intensity of being in relationship with um, someone who's suffering and using alcohol to like um, numb that pain to like kind of races, you know, experiencing, you know, like I live, grew up in Van Nuys in California and everyone kind of looked like me, but I went to school in a different neighborhood, one of the only people of color. And so just a lot. And so I started, um, cause no one was 
say, hey, Enrique, that anxiety that you're feeling or that anger or that story that you're telling yourself that you're unlovable because your dad left, like, that makes sense. <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, and those feelings are going to change, you know. And so I felt really hopeless. And, you know, even at an early age was kind of um, suicidal ideation, right? Just like the sense of not wanting to exist. And and then you, and then watching the people around me and, and starting to do what they did because they looked really happy and, you know, getting into drugs and alcohol at a really early age and that becoming a habit. And, yeah, anyways, fast forwarding. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I had a lot of survival skills and, you know, my life was just a lot deep drug addiction. You know, by the time I'm 16, I'm strung out and really confused. And, and so fast forwarding to 24, when I get sober, because of suffering, deep, like, dark suffering. Um, yeah. And that, that felt like, and that was like, all right. So these, these unhealthy strategies is kind of uh, unreliable refuge that I'm turning to, to make me happy is actually like not working <laughs> and I don't want to die. So let's, let's give me another way. Let's, and so that kind of allows me to, have the willingness to try something like mindfulness or taking responsibility or not punching someone when they don't act right in a subtle way or all the things that allowed me to survive, right? Mm. How does it feel to share that? I was feeling a lot listening to you. Um, it feels good. Good. I'm in the sense, like in normal, I, I share my story at, at, at work <laughs> every day. Um, yeah, it feels, feels fine. I mean, of course, there's a subtle part of me is just like, and these people don't know me, who they, what, you know, what are they people thinking? You know, who knows? I don't know. Like, but that's always, though. So, so there. Mm. Yeah. So the second question around, yeah, what inspires you to do what you do now today? Was it your history? Is it something else? I mean, this is a big, big mission, big job. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, you know, um, I, I started sitting formally in a Buddhist community at, uh, about a year, a little less than a year after I got sober. And, um, and I think part of my 12-step path married with Dharma, which is saying the same thing in many, many ways to me, but one of the core things, that the thread that run between both are um, basically as a result of doing this work, what's going what's gonna to arise is a desire to help <laughs> Um you know, maybe 12 steps, like they're kind of like help or you're going to die. But either way, it's like it instills like this desire to serve. Um, and then Dar that's a Buddhist was to say, yeah, this is just a natural fruit of the work that we're doing. Um, and so 
that's part of it. And then when I got introduced to teen retreats, um, because I hit the ground running, I was so desperate to be, to be free. I just got into everything that I, I, I helped everyone. <laughs> anyway, and that's also a part of my, a little bit of my stuff is like, let me help you. So I don't have to deal with my shit, but, um, or because asking for help is really painful or, you know, all that stuff. But, um, and so once I dropped into a teen retreat, this magical place that a teen retreat is with what I had already accumulated in the heart and my practice and the things that I've been doing, um, inspired like the work that one week there just inspired this like oh this trajectory this is this is what i want to do with my life i never have had that with such strong uh like belief or sense right? i wanted to be a vet when i was a little kid but that i, I never even that ended yeah in sixth grade so. mm. That is so cool. I'm watching. I'm watching you share about this, and you have on your T-shirt. I love you. Keep going. <laughs> I just feel like it's such a beautiful embodiment of what you're talking about, like for yourself, your own history, and like look what happens yeah. when you have that love yeah. and access to that love. There's this keep going, and I know, I know who that comes from. <laughs> I have that statement branded into my head as well. Yeah. From our friend George. Yeah. Um, it's just so good. Yeah. It feels like what you're describing. Absolutely. What I offer to the world, I do my best to like hold this circle of compassion wide enough for everybody. It definitely is a practice to bring to myself. Yeah. Mm. You're you're helping me. People ask me all the time, like why do you do what I do? And honestly, I'm like, I don't have any choice. <laughs> like, This is the only thing I could even do, you know? And, and what you just described, I'm like, Oh, this was like, it wasn't just something that just happened out of left field. This was out of the practice and the path and like the emerging of the more we heal our own hearts and relationships to ourselves and get regulated. There's a natural a desire or just impulse, something that just comes up to want to serve, help, support, um, help relieve suffering in ways that I've experienced, you know? So thank you. That that sounds more powerful than me sound, feeling so helpless. Like, I don't know. I just have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Anything that makes sense. It is. Yeah. I just keep getting this image of you on teen retreat because we sound so serious right now and mm -hmm. when you walk into a room everybody lights up you know there's playfulness that happens there's just a way that you have where everybody flocks to you and i don't know if you've noticed that but <laughs> there is such joy that happens when you walk into a room it's part of who you are and what you bring and it just brings a smile to my face given everything you shared. And I know that you share that every day. So it might feel less charged than for someone like me listening. I was like, Oh my God, for you to be able to walk into a room and just 
elicit joy and have people just want to come and like cuddle into you and talk to you and play. That's huge. That's a big deal. And that speaks a lot to your practice and your devotion to healing. And thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that reflection. It is nice to hear and uh, reflect on why that is. And, and you know, I, I bring I bring love. But I was it was funny. I was like, there's a, other rooms that I go to where I walk in and they're like, fuck you, bro. Get out of here. Whatever you're bringing is the corniest shit. Like and so that and that I think loving. Yeah, I think loving there is like that. Kind of what makes me a good lover in the sense of like loving, even when cats are like <laughs> just mad dogging me and I'm just like loving them up. And I'm just like, hey, I see you, man. Yeah. Yeah. And only you could do that in that way and really see them. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Now it makes me not, not want to be on Zoom, but in person. <laughs> Tell us about, you know, how people can find you, if they might be able to work with you, what you're out there in the world doing. I'm sure so many people are feeling connected right now. I'd just love to know yeah. what you're up to. Yeah, you know, kind of riding shotgun with a lot of folks, not, not doing anything. I mean, I, I do coaching and um, through like mindfulness, like if you're trying to cultivate a practice or dharmic lens or through a secular lens. But, um, you know, Challenge Day, working with Challenge Day, they're great. You can check them out. Um, IB Me, obviously, if you're a teen, and IB Me World. If you want to get a hold of me, my email is enriquecoyaso4848 at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out. I'm also part of a collective called Dharma Homies, a bunch of um, teachers and facilitators um, who, yeah, have offerings and they do more stuff. Uh, well, they're doing great stuff as well. Um, but they're just doing more teaching than I am out, outside of Challenge Day. I don't, I'm not doing a lot of Dharma or secular mindfulness teaching in public spaces right now. Um, it's because I'm really full. But yeah, and Instagram, my Instagram handle is, I obviously haven't done a podcast before. Um, feel silly. Uh, my Instagram handle is, what is it? Like stay gold dharma. Something that's also feels true to me. Stay gold. Yeah. I don't have it in front of me, but I think that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. And it will all be in the show notes as well. Yeah. So good to get to slow down with you. I was just thinking it's possible we've known each other for almost a couple of decades now, which just blows my mind. Yes. Yeah, it's fun. It's actually really fun feeling my nervous system and body as I'm here with you because mm. it's. I'm sure it's something that's happened in both of us. I used to be just like anxious and contracted and want to talk really fast. And it's so fun to get to just touch in every now and then and notice what's changed, what's shifted. And I just feel so at home and so settled and just grateful to be here with you. Me too. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. Before you go, if you loved the conversation, make sure you're subscribed or following, have your notifications turned on or alerts, and leave a five-star review. 
so we can get the word out to anyone that this might be supportive or inspiring to. If you're a facilitator, coach, healer, therapist, or healthcare practitioner, stay connected with me over on Instagram at fierceheart.shelbylee, L-E-I-G-H. Bringing you accessible online trauma awareness and trauma-informed trainings brings me so much joy. Looking forward to connecting with you as you join me in this worldwide revolution, supporting the folks who need it most.